0: Welcome to FaithBridge Sermons podcast. This sermon features Bible teacher Timothy Atique, and it was recorded on Sunday, November twenty-first. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at podcast at faithbridge.org. And if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at nine a.m. or eleven a.m. and come say hi. And you can always join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org/live. Here's TA. Psalm 23 Psalm 23 El Salmo de David The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want El Señor es mi pastor nada me falta He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Ande en valle de, de even though I walk in the valley of the shadows of death even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death je ne aucun mal, car tu es avec moi. I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me <inaudible> You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. ukrupa venta then I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The the Lord forever. Well, howdy. Hey, it's great to see you, Faith Bridge. Uh, If we've never been together before, my name's Timothy Atik. I'm the director of Breakaway Ministries in College Station, and it is always so good to get here to Faith Bridge to be with you. Uh, Several weeks ago, I had a speaking engagement in North Carolina, so I took my 12-year-old son Noah along with me. And while we were there, we decided to go to North Carolina's amusement park, which is called Carowinds. And Carowinds is the home of the tallest and fastest roller coaster in North America. And that roller coaster is called Fury three twenty five because it drops you three hundred and twenty five feet. And so I told my twelve year old, hey man, we definitely don't have to do that ride if <laughs> if you don't want to. I'm I'm totally fine with it. He uh he unfortunately wanted to do it, and so we waited in line and we got on this thing, and I'd really love to talk to the people who designed it, because the seats are not made with shoulder straps. There's just this thing that you pull at your waist, so I'm like, how big is y'all's umbrella policy for something like this? Like, I don't understand the, the thought on this, um, but... Roller coasters like the Fury 325 are very interesting because you get to see how people handle situations where they have zero control, right? That's, that's what it is. And so when your train is kind of departing from the station to begin the climb, which is the slowest part of the ride, you've got some people who just immediately, the minute it starts to climb, they're just like this. They're just like, they just put their hands up. I think they're saying take me, Lord. Like, that's like, I'm going to meet you. I guess that's what they're saying. But like, there's those people, they're just excited. They know they're not in control and they're great with it. Then there's people like me, this control freak, who I kid you not, as we started to climb, the thought going through my mind was like, well, what if, what if this thing that I just pulled that's holding me in, what if it fails? Like, what if it doesn't work? And so what I did, I kid you not, is I am like reaching under my chair trying to find the best grip I can because I think that these toothpicks are going to hold me in when we're going at 95 miles an hour dropping 325 feet. And the thing that I love, and by love I mean hate about those roller coasters, is that They always make you exit through a gift shop where they've taken a picture of you at the worst part of the ride. And so you get to see yourself when you have no control. And so, you know, there's the people who drive you crazy, who have their hands up, and they're smiling. Then you got my son, Noah, who just looked like this. He was like this. He was like... And I was like, man, that face says it all. What that face tells me is we're not doing this for fun. We're doing this so we could say we did it. And the ultimate win was that we got off of it. Like that was the <laughs> ultimate win of this ride. But it's just interesting how people handle situations where they don't have control. And the reason that I tell you that is because the reality is that life has a bunch of different drops and twists and turns in it. And you know exactly what it is like to find yourself in moments where you have little to no control. I mean, just stop and think real quick. What is that area of life? What's the one thing in your life where you want control but don't have it? Or what's the area of your life where you just don't have clarity on if things are going to turn out right? It could be something with your marriage. It could be something with one of your kids. That's where it is for us. There's one of our kids where we're just experiencing some new challenges in parenting, which has kind of thrown us for a curve. It could be something at work, that things aren't going how you hoped that they would, and you just don't feel like you have much control. See, we want to be able to control the result. We want to be able to manage how things are going to play out. And stress and anxiety are the results of the moments where we want control but can't have it. I just wonder if we we're able to walk through a gift shop and have pictures on the screen of each of our lives and our postures in the midst of the places we're at right now, wherever you don't feel control, what would your posture look like? Would it be arms stretched out with joy, just this posture of I know I'm not in control and I'm okay because I know the one who is? Or would we see you kind of just this grip in this kind of frustration where you're just kind of trying to bear it and you're trying to control something that you just can't. What I want to do this morning is, is I want to help you navigate your way toward more peace. And where the peace, I believe, where I believe that it's found in the most famous passage in the entire Bible, Like King David, who we've been talking about all of the times that I've been here over the last several months, we've always gone back to the life of David. And it is just worth taking a couple of weeks, this week and this week, in looking at words that David penned, which resulted in being the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. It's Psalm 23. But the piece that we're talking about is found Just in that first line where David declares what? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation puts it, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Another translation puts it, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And the reason that I love hearing those words from David was because David was a guy who knew the roller coaster of life. Like we know his greatest triumphs of killing a giant with a sling and a stone, but David was a guy who lived on the run for 15 years when a guy was trying to kill him. David was a guy whose daughter was raped, and four of his kids died prematurely one of them tried to steal the throne from him David had to lead his country through a three-year famine this guy knew the drops and the twists and turns of life and even in the midst of that he was able to declare the Lord is my shepherd I I lack nothing I have I have all that I need can you just hear the peace in his voice And so my hope is that many of you could walk out this morning just echoing those words. You know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I I shall not want. It's easy for us to read Psalm 23 or to hear Psalm 23. If I were to ask you before today, hey, how does Psalm 23 start? I bet the majority of people in this room would be able to say the Lord is my shepherd. But if I were to ask you, what does it truly mean that God is our shepherd? You might be like, well, I've never thought about that. Because the majority of us in here don't have much experience with sheep or shepherding. Now, if you're like the one or two people in the room that like, you're actually a shepherd. like You don't need this talk. Like, I just want to invite you, you can give the talk. But we need to know why David chooses this imagery. Well, he chooses it because before he was king, he was a shepherd. Not only that, he was the son of a shepherd. Not only that, kings in the ancient Near East were considered shepherds, like they shepherded the nation. Not only that, David was written into God's story, and God is positioned as a shepherd. That's why Psalm 78 says this, then he, that's God, then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. So when David says the Lord is my shepherd this is like a football coach using a football analogy. Like it is it is near and dear to his heart, it is rich in meaning. The reason it is important and it is responsible of us to excavate this idea of God being shepherd is because Jesus actually picks up this analogy in John chapter 10 in verse 11 he declares what he says I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So this morning, I just want to unpack for you what David means when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And here's what I hope you see, okay? His identity, God being shepherd, it brings peace to our reality and clarity to our activity. Do you hear what I'm saying? His identity, God being shepherd, what that does is it is it brings peace to our realities. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're experiencing, it brings peace. But then it also brings clarity to our activity. It shows us how we should live and what we should do, even in the times in life where we don't have much control. So here we go. I'm going to give you five things of what it means when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. First, it means the Lord is my leader. The Lord is my leader. Watch what David goes on to say in Psalm 23, and watch the verbs. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Watch. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is my leader. In the ancient Near East, shepherds didn't drive their flocks from behind, they led them from the front. When David is saying the Lord is my shepherd, you know what he's ultimately saying? He's ultimately saying, as the Lord is my leader, he's ultimately saying that God is in charge of the path and the pace of life. God is ultimately responsible for the wares and and the winds. Think about it. God told David at the age of 15 that he was going to be king. When did David actually become king? When he was 30. What did he do for the 15 years in between? He avoided death from King Saul trying to kill him. So yeah, the plan was king. What was the path? It was hardship. It was living on the run. What was the pace? It was 15 years. When you think about the Israelites, God breaks them out of Egypt. What's the path? It's wandering in the wilderness. What's the pace? 40 years. God is in charge of the path and the pace, He's in charge of the wares and the winds. The reason that it's so important for us to understand that is because if I were to ask you what's stressing you out right now, there's a good chance it has to do with wares and winds like where are we going to find the money that we need to make ends meet when are things going to turn around at work when are we going to get pregnant okay when are things going to turn around in our marriage when are things not going to be so difficult with our kids it's the wares and the winds it's wanting a different reality but god is the one in charge of the path and the pace The the problem is that we're control freaks. We want to be in charge. We want the path to be the path of least resistance, and we want the pace to be as quickly as possible. And that's just not how life works. I mean, I've used the analogy before, but when you need control, you're like that person carrying the big pile of laundry. You think you have everything in your grasp, and then you look back, and what do you see? Man down, right? (laughs) We want to feel like everything's in control. And when that sock drops, what do we do? We try and balance all whole pile and pick up the sock. And when you pick it up, what, what do you see? Whitey tidies down. Like <laughs> this, is, this is life where it's like you have to be in control and then your kid's sock falls. You pick up your kid's sock, financial whitey tighties down. And it's just over and over this, this wrestle of wanting to be in control. But you can't be. Peace is found in realizing, you know what, the Lord is my leader. He's the one in charge of the wares and the winds. And if you think God is moving too slow, the issue is that you just haven't synced your watch up with His. It's not that He's late, it's that you're early. And so I just want you to know there's a lot of peace to be found in just saying, you know what, God, you know. You know. David says the Lord is my shepherd. He means the Lord is my leader. Number two, he means the Lord is my owner. And that's weird wording, right? The Lord is my owner. But let me just show you where I get that from in Scripture. In John 10, Jesus is picking up the shepherd imagery. And what does he say in verses 10 through 14? He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And so I I don't know if you saw it, but Jesus is contrasting himself with a hired hand. And the difference is that he owns the sheep as the shepherd. And Jesus actually draws a correlation between ownership and care. The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. In contrast, Jesus, the owner of the sheep, cares the most about the sheep. That's the way things work in this world. If you own something, you care about it most. So I'll give you an example. A couple years ago, I was driving home from a speaking engagement close to downtown Houston. I was driving back to College Station. I hadn't eaten dinner yet and so I googled the uh, Chick-fil-A that's on 290 in Cyprus, and uh, I found out that it, clo- it was closing at 10 p.m., and my maps were showing that I would arrive at 9.58. So I am flying in hot to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I round the corner into the parking lot. I can see the entrance to the drive through And as I'm driving to the entrance, out of my left eye, I see a high school kid in a red shirt sprinting across the parking lot. And my life went into slow motion in that moment because I'm trying to piece it all together, like driving towards the entrance, high school kid, red shirt, sprinting. And then I realized, he's racing me. He's trying to beat me to the entrance to put a cone in front of it. Because it's 9.58 and he's ready to go home. So I had to make a decision. What do I do? I floored it. And I I beat him there. And I, I rolled down the window. I was like, were you racing? He was like, yeah. And it was just a reminder, hey, this kid's a hired hand. He does not own. He's not the owner. He's not... He's not the owner, because I've interacted with multiple Chick-fil-A operators. I've gotten to talk to Dan Cathy himself for two minutes, and it is very clear that people in ownership at Chick-fil-A care deeply about the people who eat their chicken. (laughs) When you own something, you care the most about it. And I tell you that just to say, like, for some of you, this is just going to roll right past you. But if you'll just stop and hear what I'm telling you, I wonder if some of you need it to speak straight into your life this morning. No one cares more about your life than Jesus Christ. No one. Like he cares more about you than you care for yourself. No one takes more responsibility for your life. No one feels more responsible for your life than Jesus Christ. So when David says the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying the Lord is my owner. Number three, when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my provider. So you think about the nation of Israel when God led them out of Egypt by the hand of Moses. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How did God feed them? He fed them with manna. And so the way it worked was God said, hey, here's the deal. You guys need food. So what's going to happen is every morning you're going to wake up and breakfast will just have magically appeared in the form of manna. Like you're going to wake up. It's just going to be there. I want you to eat what you need to eat and then you leave the rest. Don't store up leftovers. Like no Tupperware, no saving it for a snack later you eat what you need, and you trust that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll have more manna. What do they do? I uh, let's just save some. <laughs> because if, if God decides that the dining room is closed tomorrow, I just want to be prepared. So what happens? The food molds, it gathers worms. How long did God ask the nation of Israel to trust him to provide for them on a daily basis? Exodus 16.35, the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years. 40 years of living day to day. Will it be there tomorrow? It was. How about the next day? Draw the correlation with the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. God establishes this relationship with us, his people, where it's like, I will give you what you need when you need it. He's a provider. That's who he is. He is a provider. Our problem is that we want to stockpile because peace is found in stuff. So, like, when the pandemic hit, what was the thing that we ran out of first? Toilet paper. toilet paper. I mean, we lost our ever-loving minds over toilet paper. It was like, oh, my gosh, I need three to four squares per wipe. So, there is no way. That I'm going to the store. I'm buying the whole shelf. I beat everyone else there. Everyone else can lose a sock, but not me. I am going to... I'm going to suck. I'm clearing out my garage for toilet paper. Why? So that we can feel safe and secure. It's, 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 it's our need to provide for ourselves. And God's like, that's not how life works. You can't stockpile job offers. You can't stockpile good kids. You can't stockpile easy years in marriage. What you can do is you can pray, give me today my daily bread. Give me what I need today. And here's a little secret. Like, if you want to experience intimacy with God, then just wait and watch for him to provide. Just like trust him and watch him provide. I, I love and hate the story in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000. I don't know if you've ever noticed the interaction that Jesus has with Philip right before it, but what does he say to Philip? He's like, hey, uh, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? And uh, if you look at Philip's response, it's like, I don't know. Like, where are we? I mean, it would take like this much money. We, and, but the, John the evangelist, who's writing John, it says that Jesus says, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? And then he gives us like insight into Jesus. Here's what it says. It says, he, he already knew what he was going to do. He said this to test him. How annoying is that? So just imagine Jesus being like, what are we going to do with this child of yours? He said that knowing what he was going to do. He said it. To test him. Where are you gonna? How are you gonna make ends meet? How are, he said that, knowing what he would do. He said it to test him. See, God might not always give you what you want, but He will most certainly always give you what you need, because He is provider. And some of you hear that and you're like, wrong. Because you look over the last year and a half, two years, and you're like, he hasn't always given me what I needed. Is it possible that he hasn't given you what you think you need, but he's given you what he knows you need according to his good, pleasing, and perfect will? And I don't have to know you to, to be able to say that I know he's given you what you need because you're still standing and you're here today. And for some of you to be able to say that, that's miraculous. And you might just be hanging by a thread, but you're still hanging. And that's evidence in your life of God's miraculous provision. Even if it's in the the midst of loss. God is provider. Rick Warren puts it this way, you never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Fourth, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is my protector. The Lord is my protector. See, the job of the shepherd is to protect the sheep. I think about David when he goes up against Goliath. If you remember the story, David's only about 18 years old at the time. He's not even old enough to fight in the king's army. He's basically the security board, Boy, like he's the refreshment cart guy. His dad gives him a bunch of cheese and bread and is like, Take this and feed your brothers who are in the army. And so David shows up. He hears Goliath taunting God's army. He's like, This is a problem, and I'm going to do something about it. And the king Saul gets word of what David is saying and he brings him in. And Saul's basically like, You have no chance. You're a child, he's a warrior. And David talks about being a shepherd. Listen to what he says because it gives us insight into what shepherds do. First Samuel 17, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth and if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Do you hear that? David's like, look, If a lion or a bear came up against my sheep, I would grab it by the beard and take it down. What a boss thing to say, right? (laughs) Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, that's what he was doing, is he was grabbing Satan, sin, and death by the beard and taking them down. Jesus is a conquering, victorious king, and his victory is available to us. He's protector. That's what he does is he he protects. So I don't know what you feel like is coming against you right now. I don't know where you feel attacked, whether you feel attacked in your marriage or your parenting, if you feel attacked at your work. I don't know what it is. But I do know that Jesus is protector. And so my encouragement to you is to get behind him. And It is to allow him to protect you. That doesn't mean that he will stop the storm in your life. It just might mean that he sustains you through the storm in your life. And let me just give you a couple ways that God practically protects. Is number one, he gives us his word so that we can know his ways and carry out his will. His word is like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guards us from stumbling. Second, he gives us the church. And every Sunday we can gather and we can worship and we can be reminded of truth so that we don't walk out the door and live out lies. But then also he gives us his people to connect with in intimate, accountable relationships. So it's great to have a few guys or a few women in your life with whom you can be fully known and fully loved and you can tell them Where you're struggling and they can encourage you, they can sharpen you, they can fight alongside you and spur you on to honor God. And so I don't know if you're kind of living with a schema right now that you're a failure or you're just getting beaten down and there's no way out. There is because your shepherd is a protector. Invite his protection into your life. And then number five, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is my physician. The Lord is my physician. One shepherd wrote that sheep require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind or mob instincts, our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Aren't you encouraged this morning coming to church? (laughs) But when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is, God, you are the one who deals with the hurts and the habits of my own life. And I think it's just important for us to acknowledge that we do need a physician honestly, over the last year and a half, two years, because of the pandemic, we've become more isolated than normal. And when you're isolated, living in isolation can be very unhealthy. And so I wouldn't be surprised if for many people, there's different things that have surfaced in your life or when you've been around loved ones, there's things that come out that just remind you not everything's okay. And here's the reality, who you are when no one else is around or who you are when only the people who know you best are around, that's in some ways who you are. And so you might be aware now of some brokenness in your life and it's in need of healing. And so one of the best things you can do is just get acquainted with Jesus as physician. I'll explain it this way. When I was in sixth grade, I was in the airport, Dallas Love Field with my brother and my cousin. My cousin was a young single guy fresh out of college and he had this really janky umbrella. It was just basically the metal rod without a handle on the bottom of it. It's what young single guys fresh out of college, that's the kind of umbrellas that that, uh, that they have. So. We were in the terminal and my cousin asked me if I had something to write with. So I was bent down looking in my backpack. This is a freak accident. As I'm bent down looking in my backpack, my cousin just drops the umbrella on the ground and it pops open and that metal end shot up and hit me straight in my right eye. And I went into the bathroom, I pulled down my eyelid and there was this massive red abrasion on my eye and I was just crying profusely. And so my young single cousin did the right thing. Uh, he was not going on the plane with us. He just put me on the plane and shipped me off to Austin to let his brother deal with me uh, in Austin. But um, I cried the whole way to Austin. When I got to Austin, my other cousin took me to the emergency room and uh, they gave me eye drops in an eye patch that has a, had a Dalmatian dog on it. So if anything said, kick me, it was that. <laughs> but... Uh, the result of that experience was I developed an eye floater in my right eye, which means that I permanently see black dots right, right here. So that's the world that I know. The world that I know is a, is a world with black dots always here. The first year, I, I didn't know it was an eye floater. I thought a mosquito was always around me. So there were times, I kid you not, where I was like, and I could <laughs> never get it, never get it. But here's the thing, as far as I know, there's nothing I can do about my eye floater. And if you're an eye doctor and you come up and tell me afterward you actually can do something, that'd be news to me. But as far as I know, there's nothing I can do about it. As far as I'm concerned, everyone sees those same dots. Like, that's just reality. As far as I know, the world that we live in is a world that just has black dots right here. And so I've just adjusted to it. I've just... Learn to live with it. That's just who I am. I'm a man with an eye floater. I'm a man that sees black dots. That's fine when it's an eye floater. It's not fine when it's sin. And our tendency is to live with something broken in our lives when healing is possible. But we can get into this mode of operation where we're like, you know what? This is just the life that I know. The life that I know is a life with porn. The life that I know is a life where I spend money that I don't have. The life that I know is a life where I have just anger issues and I kind of unload on the people that are close to me. So we begin to believe the lie that this is just the way it is. This is just the way that we have to see life when our shepherd is a physician. And he's in the business of healing that which is broken. And so I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're just not treating alcohol in the right way or abusing uh, some type of substance or just the way that you're spending money or the way you're abusing food or interacting with other people. I don't know what it is. But it's, it's possible that, that there's greater health there's wholeness waiting for you, and you have a physician who is healer. This is what David means when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember what I said? I said that his identity brings peace to our reality and clarity to our activity. So if he's the leader, what does that make us? It makes us followers. And you might be well-equipped to lead humans, but every, every leader must still be a follower. Of Jesus Christ. He's in charge of the path and the pace. So maybe your activity today is just to say, look, God, I'm going from here gripping my seat to here. I trust you with the path and the pace, the wares and the winds of my life. If he's an owner, then maybe today you just sit and let his care and his love wash over you. If he's provider, maybe you come to him and you just say, God, I don't have what I want. And I don't even feel like I have what I need. But you know what I need. And so I trust you to give me what I need today. Give me today my daily bread. If he's protector, then maybe you just call out to him and say, God, I feel under attack. My marriage feels under attack. My parenting, things at work. God, I pray that the same power that raised Christ from the dead would be evident in my life today. And if he's physician, Maybe you just come before him and say, I want to be healed. I, wa- I want to be healed. There's something broken m- in my life. There's some sin that I've allowed to linger, and I want to be healed. And then I'll close just by saying this. Th- some of you in this room, again, the goal is that you might leave this morning being able to say, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. And my hope is throughout the week, you might be experiencing peace because just all throughout the day, under your breath, you're just saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, the Lord is my shepherd. But some of you, if you're honest, you can't leave here today saying the Lord is my shepherd. Like you just listened to a talk about Jesus being shepherd, so you can leave saying Jesus is a shepherd, but you can't say Jesus is my shepherd, because you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I hope no one leaves this morning without realizing that we're not just talking about knowing about Jesus. This is not about religion today. This is about a personal, real, enjoyable relationship with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Jesus Christ who left heaven and came to earth, and the reason that he died on a cross, the reason that he rose from the dead, was to make a way when there was no way for you and for me to live in right relationship with God. So let me just encourage you with what Isaiah 53 verse 6 says. It says this, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way." And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you hear what that's saying? It's saying we're all like sheep. If God's the shepherd, we've all wandered away. There's his path and we've said we're going to do it our way. And that's sin. Sin separates from God. And yet what has God done? He's taken our sin and put it on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was punished for our sin on the cross. And Jesus was victorious over our sin through his resurrection. And Jesus has ascended into heaven where he now sits and reigns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Wanting a relationship with anyone who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Do you know him? To know him as your Savior is to know him as your shepherd, your good shepherd. If you don't know him, I pray that you would today. May we experience the joy and the peace that comes from echoing David's words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge that you are the good shepherd and you, as the good shepherd, laid down your life for us, your sheep. If anyone in here this morning does not know you as Savior, then I pray that today they would put their trust in you. And then I'm thankful that you know all the different areas of life where we feel out of control. And so my hope and prayer is that there would be peace that comes even in the midst of uncertainty because we become acquainted with you as leader and owner and provider and protector and physician we need you we love you in jesus name amen